Good morning. This is Pastor Stuart McClellan from the Altoona Bible Church greeting you. The warm-hearted church with a heartwarming message. The family church. Why not join us this morning for our worship service? Sing with us, pray with us, and follow the message in God's Word. This morning I bring the message entitled, The Coming Exaltation. For joining us here today, if you're just joining us in with uh, TV, radio, or social media, we welcome you. We are uh, going to start our service on the air today by uh, singing 598. And I know I just had you sit down, but I was told it's an unwritten rule. We're not allowed to sit while we're singing, standing on the promises, right? So uh, I'm going to ask that you stand back up. We're going to sing 598, standing on the promises, 598. really true song, correct? All right, so let's uh, sing first four nice and loud. When we get to the chorus, let's do that without the accompaniment of the pianos and the organs and sing out, okay? So we'll, we'll sing through with uh, the music. When we get to the chorus, we'll go without the accompaniment of, of the piano and organ. All right, verse four. <laughs> Thank you. 
Amen. You guys sound pretty good, huh? All right. Let's continue singing. Um, we're going to turn to 146, and we're going to sing Blessed Calvary. That's on 146. special music today, um, we're going to have John and Penny Harris come up with Sophia and Mathias, Mathias McClellan, and they're going to sing Holy, Holy, Holy.
everyone said? Amen. What a tremendous hymn, tremendous words, holy, holy, holy. As far as uh, the announcements, of course, tomorrow night here at the church, beginning at 7 p.m., it's a Monday Night Club program, so this is for boys and girls in grades 1 through 1st through 12th grade. And then Wednesday night here at the church, we're continuing our series and Ask the Pastor, so these are questions that you have uh, raised, and again, those who are listening, those who are watching, if you have a Bible question that you would like answered, you can please just contact us here at the church, call us, email us, and we will attempt to answer those questions then and so we've been having those uh, been tremendous questions for almost the last um, coming on two years so it's uh, been a, a blessed time on Wednesday night also just to remind people that our Sunday night service is still available through the access channel or over Facebook or over the local radio station uh, we are still providing that service so keep that in mind if you have questions about the scheduling for the service you contact us here uh, at the church at this time then uh, Stephanie's going to lead us in the worship song Let's stand as we sing our worship song. Take a look at the screens.
Thank you, Steph, for leading us in that. That's a, uh, it's one that may not be entirely familiar with, but again, if we look at, uh, look at those words, every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb, and of course, we know that to be true. And uh, I'm going to ask today, you turn in, in your Bibles for our scripture reading to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read two verses today. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 11 and 12. Ephesians chapter 4. So, this upcoming Thursday is uh, National Punctuation Day. So, with that being said, I know, don't get too excited. But it's funny, with, as we turn to Ephesians 4, you know, punctuation, in case, you're, in case you're wondering, punctuation is indeed very important, and I'm going to give you a very good example as to why that is, right? Take a look at the screens. <clears throat> Look at the punctuation difference. Let's eat, Grandpa. Let's eat, comma, Grandpa. Okay, correct punctuation can save a person's life. Okay, so we might laugh at Thursday's punctuation day, but it's important. Okay, and, and what we're going to take a look at here is it's incredibly important in the Bible, right? So we've got to remember that our Bible's broken down into chapters and verses, but sometimes we see chapter breaks and things where it's a continuation of an idea and it's not a period at the end of a sentence. And then more importantly, sometimes some of the modern translations take some of the punctuation and they change it. And that changes the meaning. Just like you see in the sentence, let's eat grandpa. Okay? So let's read verse 11 and 12. Chapter 4, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. This is, of course, referring to here the, the, some of the responsibilities that we know here as, as God gives some of the individuals, the gifts that we have. Uh, so verse 11, and he gave some, comma, apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Okay, now verse 12 talks here, and I have a note in my Bible, it says, this is, verse 12 kind of goes back to 11, is the purpose of those, of these, the ministry for these gifts, right? So read verse 12 with me closely, I'm going to follow the, ask you a question here. So all those, all those gifts that are given, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, comma, for the work of the ministry, comma, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know, those reasons are the, the, some of the, the purpose for those gifts, how many reasons are listed in verse 12? There are three. We know that as designated by the commas. Okay. I'm going to put for you verses, uh, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, a, a modern translation. Okay. And this, this is something that just to be careful is how punctuation can change the meaning of a verse. Okay. So look here, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Verse 11 and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Okay? Now, look at verse 12. For the equipping of the saints of the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, how many reasons are listed in verse 12? Two. Okay? And what's happened is there's then a, a comma that's been, that's been removed. And it changes the meaning. In the, in the King James, for the perfect, so the purpose of all these is threefold. The perfecting of the saints, perfecting doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but it does mean we want to try to be holy, as, as John spoke about, um, what was that, last week or a few weeks ago. Two, for the work of the ministry, 
right? For the ministry sharing the gospel, letting others know, leading others to the Lord for salvation, growing. Three, for the edifying, building up of the body of Christ, for building each other up. Well, two of those are mentioned here, but one's combined. For the equipping of the saints of the work of the ministry is combined into one. And what happens is sometimes then under that, if you remove that comma, that single comma, what that can do is change the meaning to, for the equipping of the saints of the work of the ministry is that the only folks who are doing the work of that ministry are those in clerical positions. And that's, that's just not true. We all, as a body of Christ, have a member and have, as a member, have a job, correct? All right. So as this week is National Punctuation Day, feel free to tell everybody on Thursday. If you want to celebrate, feel free to do so. But think about the importance of punctuation in the Bible and, of course, why, of course, we rightly divide. But, of course, stay true to our King James Version. So. All right. At this time, we're going to have special music again. John and Penny Harris can come up, and they're going to sing a trust melody. What a joy divine Leaning on the everlasting arms 
blessedness, what a peace is mine. Amen, John and Penny. Thank you uh, for that beautiful number this time. Uh, those are dismissed for Junior Church. Beautiful trust medley. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. I'd like to read verses 9 through verse number 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That in the name of Jesus every knee sh should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And we just sang that worship praise song that talked about that. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's just look to the Lord in word of prayer. Gracious God, as we come before you, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you, God, for what you have given us. And we pray, God, for your continued guidance and direction in each of our lives. And as we look to your word this morning, help us to see the truth of this verse. We pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we talked about every knee should bow. We talked about the things in heaven, right? Things on earth and things under the earth. And you gave the answers to what, what those things are. Every knee should bow. And then we see here in verse number 11 that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You understand or realize that there is a doctrine of belief called universalism, universal reconciliation. And what universalism basically teaches it's the belief that all individuals will be saved. Now remember what 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 talks about. It's God's will that all men be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. Christ died for all, right? Amen, right? Christ died for all. All can be saved, but what do you need to do? You need to believe. Universalism, universal reconciliation, it's a belief that all individuals not can be saved, 
will, will, be, will be saved. And you say, well, where would, they, where would they get that from? And ultimately, if you, we're not going to read all these slides, but it's, it's and I put parentheses on the Christian theology, and it, it focuses around the doctrine of universal reconciliation. Where do they get it from? Well, one group might get it from the idea of, well, God's a loving God, right? God's a loving God. Romans 5.8, God commended his love, to love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he's a loving God. Well, if he's a loving God, there can't be how. So everyone will just eventually be saved because of God's love. Another group is going to go to where? They're going to go to the Bible, right? And they're just going to read. what We just read Philippians chapter 2. We've been reading this portion of scripture for the last several weeks. Every knee will bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. So what do they conclude? All will be saved, right? Right. But that's wrong, right? Con what is the context? Is the context salvation? Absolutely, emphatically, no. Again, you know, the realtors, when they're selling a house, it's location, 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 right? Okay, well, for the Christian, it's context, 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 rightly dividing the word of truth, right? The context is not for salvation. We're going to get to verse 11, upon every tongue confessing, uh, Lord willing, uh, next week. Another verse of scripture they might go to, even more prevalent to them, is over found in the book of Colossians chapter number 1. And there's even now a aspect of universalism that believes and teaches it doesn't matter how we as Christians live. And again, God forbid. Shall we continue in sin that God's grace may abound? The answer is no, may it never be. God forbid. Why? Because we've been identified in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And we rejoice understand in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, there's no water there. It's not a water baptism. It is a Holy Spirit baptizing us into the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And how does, end, how does verse number four end up? We've been raised to walk in what? Newness of life. Because that's what God wants. Colossians chapter one, verse number 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross. And I've said this before, and I will say it again. For some, this might, what I'm going to share might be a somatic of words and terms. But people, you'll hear people say, well, I made peace with God a long time ago. You see, those words bother me because that's not scriptural. You don't make peace with God. You, you under, come to an understanding and acknowledgement of who God is and of God's love and the offer of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you believe and trust Christ as your Savior, you have peace with God, right? Why? Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have what? We, we have peace with God. That's just one of the spiritual blessings of Ephesians 1. Here, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, he made peace for us. You don't, you don't make the peace. Yes, you receive it. We have peace with God. That's salvation. The peace of God is that, that peace that God, only God can give during difficult times. But having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile, what are the next two words? All things, Colossians 1.20, unto himself by him I say, whether it be things in heaven, or excuse me, things in earth, or things in heaven. 
And you that were sometimes alien and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. God reconciled all things, things earth and things where in heaven. So they even believe that Satan himself can be saved. Well, you got to, again, context. Go back here in the context. We're not going to do it this morning. Go back to about verse 15, where he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of, of every creature, for by him were all things created that are heaven and earth, visible and invisible. Visible be what? It's things you can see. It's not a trick question. It's visible. I, I can see this. Invisible is what? You, you can't see. And what, what are the all things here? Thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were, all those things were created by him and for him. And those thrones and dominions and principalities and powers are what? Things of position out in the heavenlies. See, we can, we can see things on earth, right? Because we have local government. We have local government, right? We have state government. And then we have federal government. See, I can see those things. But you know what? I can't see out there in heaven all the thrones, the principalities, the dominion, how God has it laid out, but he does. That's the things that God has reconciled. And reconciliation goes toward man. In fact, you have a sermon insert, and if you didn't get one, they're still on the tables on the way out. The first, and I just gave you an answer to your first question. The, Spiritual application is you have three words, reconciliation, propitiation, and redemption. What's their relationship? And on the other column, you have God, man, and sin. Reconciliation goes toward man. It's manward. God has reconciled man to himself, individually and the world, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And there is a future aspect of reconciliation sitting here. So the universal reconciliation is they look at this verse of Scripture and say, what? Aha, all will be saved. That's not what this verse of Scripture is talking about again. All can be saved. And we're going to put it on the screen here in a few moments, some of our doctrinal beliefs. But they teach that all can be, or all will be saved. For us who are a little bit older, you might remember this song. It was first written by uh, a woman. Then she actually sold it to, I believe, Peter, Paul, and Mary. And then Blood, Sweat, and Tears made it popular. It was recorded in 1968, I believe, then released in 1969. So I was 12 and 13 years old at this time. Maybe I sang the song and you hear the song even be played now. But when you start reading what the words are, you want to know why the world is confused over things? Look, look at what he says here. My troubles are many, they are deep. I swear there ain't no heaven, and I pray there ain't no hell. So he can tell you that there's absolutely no heaven, but I sure hope and pray there, there is no hell. And part of the spiritual application is, what would, you, what would you say to someone if they believe that? What verses of scripture could you do and share to prove that there is a heaven, that there is a hell? And then he says, I'll never know by living, only by my dying will tell, only by my dying will tell. Folks, you believe that, you're going to a Christless eternity. You're going into outer darkness. And it's just sad that there are people who believe this and, and testify, only my dying will tell. Some of the important doctrinal beliefs of our church, 
and these are not in, this does not even talk about the issue of where we start, and, and that is if you have a doctoral statement, if you, um, you need one, we updated one. See, I came prepared, I have one. <laughs> and the first one is what? It's about the Bible. We believe the Bible's inspired, and yet there are people who will tell you. I've had this happen. There are people who will tell you what? That the Altoona Bible Church does not believe in the Old Testament. And I just want to pull my hair out and scream and say, are you kidding me? We are considered a church, the Bible church. Of course we believe from Genesis to Revelation, given by the inspiration of God. See, people will gossip and, and spread lies about that because, you know, and people buy that. We, we've done studies. One of my favorite Old Testament books, if you know, it's, it's the book of Daniel because it's a powerful book. So we begin with the Bible, and we know that it needs to be rightly divided. So these are not talking about that, but it's talking about the fact that we believe and understand that all human beings are born with a sinful nature. And the only way of salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 3 tells us, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. We also believe that salvation of the sinner is wholly of God's grace. It's through faith alone. It's, it's the virtue of his redemptive work on the cross. And it's available for, it's absolutely available for all. Right? Praise God. Like I've said, the, the issue, if you understand reconciliation... The message of reconciliation, you can take that message anywhere, any place, any time to, to anyone, whatever the circumstances, and say what? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You can take that message, someone's on death row, right? And share the gospel. See, if you didn't believe that, if you believed it was a sin question, you'd go to that person and say, hey, I'm sorry, but you, know, you committed this sin and this sin and this sin. Sorry, you're, you're, you're going to go to hell. No, God loved that person. And praise God, and I have witnessed the people on their deathbed who you're not sure of their salvation and, and share the message of salvation even in those waning moments and hours and days of their life because understanding they hear and will they respond by faith and believe and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And we need to keep doing that and keep preaching the message of God's grace. And we believe that salvation is offered to all people. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, because here's the gospel. And so often today, there's people who absolutely, what do they do? They add things to it. They add human works. They add, you know, they want to make it a blessing gospel. You know, if you believe in God, God will bless you with all these, you know, material things. That's, that's not the gospel today, folks. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4. For I have delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. It is offered to all. All absolutely can be saved. If you go back in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, here is the issue of, of reconciliation. Neither baptism, the Lord's Supper, nor rite ceremony can avail anything one wit for salvation. It's, it's impossible because salvation is by grace alone through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, 
We're trying to emphasize the issue of Philippians chapter 2. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But that confession, and we're going to tie all this together, Lord willing, next week, that confession is not for salvation. You understand? A person dies in this life and they do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're going to eternal darkness, right? Sadly, we, have to, we, we say that. And there are people who believe and take the philosophy that you see over in 1 Corinthians, you know, eat, drink, and be merry tomorrow you die, and it doesn't really matter because there's nothing out there. Or the words of that, that song. I can swear there's no heaven, but I pray there's no hell. Well, there is a heaven and there's a hell. How do we know it? Because God's word absolutely teaches it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. The love of Christ constrains us. We sing that wonderful hymn, Oh, How I Love Jesus, right? But this is not, this is the, the, the direction here in this verse of Scripture is God's the love of Christ moves us and constrains us. And he that died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto, the, unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Then you drop down to verse 18. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to, to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses. I've had people laugh because when you say, the issue of it's not the sin question, it's the son question. They disagree with those statements. This comes from people who are so-called Christians and believers. Here it says, it's not imputing their trespass unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ that what? Receive that reconciliation. Remember, the word reconciliation is not equal to salvation. It means that a person, it, you were made savable through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, but you still have to trust and believe and respond to him by faith. And we believe in the doctrine of eternal salvation, right? Amen? Praise God, right? You're, you're eternal. There, there are people in, in this community who don't believe that, that you can lose your salvation. We believe in the doctrine of eternal security, the eternal condemnation, the endless suffering of the unregenerate. There are people who believe that, you know, they're going to get a, maybe a second chance out there. No, no. If you, go to, if you die without the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going to a Christless eternity throughout all eternity, forever and ever and ever. And that we absolutely reject. We reject the doctrine of beliefs and the premise of universalism. We, we stand against it, Right? Because the Bible teaches all can be saved. Remember that verse of Scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, God's will. And if God willed that it would happen, God's desire is that all men, all mankind, men, women, children, all mankind be saved and, and come to the knowledge of the truth. The knowledge of the truth is not further defining salvation. The knowledge of the truth is what? The word of God rightly divided. So we reject the doctrinal belief of universalism, universal reconciliation, and, and the premise of what they teach. We reject the doctrine that all individuals will ultimately be saved. All can be saved. 
But they have to believe. They have to exercise and believe and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We reject the teaching that says there is no literal hell. Sorry, there is one. The Bible teaches us. The Bible even teaches why God created was for Satan and his angels. And mankind ends up there because they reject God. I don't care if they're atheists, agnostic, or believe in that uh, position, like I said over in 1 Corinthians, eat, drink, and be merry. Don't worry about it. Tomorrow you die. You just will not exist. No, we do exist. For the believer, we know it's absent from this body and it's present with the Lord. Praise God for that. But we reject the teaching of anything that says there is no uh, literal hell. We reject the notion that preaching God's grace or preaching of it, the, of not the sin issue, but the son issue, will lead to universalism and universal reconciliation. I reject that. We need to preach God's grace, right? Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And the gift there is not faith. The gift is what? Salvation. So that when you believe, God offers a free gift. Romans 6, 23. And to think that because you're preaching God's grace, or you're preaching that the issue is not sin, it is the Son, will lead to universalism. We reject that. We reject the doctrinal teaching that after salvation, it does not matter how believers live. And that's what people will throw at you. Oh, well, you believe in grace, so you're saying believe, and then it doesn't matter how you live. No, God forbid, God forbid, God tells us that we've been, we have complete and absolute identification in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we've been raised to walk in newness of life. We're not perfect, but we know that we're saved by God's grace through faith. Then we talk about the gospel of God's grace. What, what is the very gospel? We read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4, if you want to go back there. We read that verse of scripture. There's other verses of scripture. It's the good news. And the word gospel simply means good news. It is the good news that Jesus Christ came into the sinful world and he died for the sins of the whole world. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, and I also... You know, you think about Ephesians chapter 2. We're walking in our trespasses and our sins. We're, and we've done a series on the walking dead. And I'm certain that when we did it was years ago. It was so many years ago we still had the, yeah, the, the church sign wasn't the electronic one. It was the one you had to put the letters. And I'm sure people driving up the, the walk. In fact, there was an individual who came to church because of that title, because he's involved in, I don't understand. And, you know, the, the young kids would say, oh, this is what this is about. I guess there was a, a series or something, The Walking Dead, right? Uh, I see it once. I mean, I've seen it advertised. But anyway, but he came to the church because, because of that, that sermon title. And came here for, for a few years, you'd remember him. But in, anyway, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 3 and 4, and I was getting at Ephesians chapter 2, the walking dead, those who are alive physically, but they're dead spiritually to God. That's the walking dead. And you read that in Ephesians 2, 1 and uh, 2, 2 and verse number 3. And verse number 4 starts out with the words what? But God. Not but man, not but religion, not but by a baptism, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. You see, that's, that's, that's the gospel. 
1 Corinthians 15, 3 again, for I deliver unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's what the gospel is, and we praise God. We praise that it's through his shed blood, his death, his burial and resurrection, that anyone by faith alone in him can be saved, right? So praise God. If I had the opportunity to go into a prison, I've had the opportunity to, to minister to people locally in prison. COVID has changed all that, obviously. But if someone was on death row and I got a phone call, that's glad to go. And someone could say, but man, if that, guy go, if that person, male or female, goes to heaven and they were a mass murderer, I really wouldn't feel safe. And I've had people say that, and you want to say, there is no sin in heaven. You're, you're going, I'm going. Maybe we didn't do the things as bad as these other people did, but praise God, it, I don't care if it's 11th hour. What, what's the old saying? He who waits to midnight to be saved usually dies at 11.30. Doesn't there something like that? And there's people who try to hold on to, well, I'll just wait, I'll just wait, and then they don't have the time. Praise God that what the gospel is, the shed blood of Christ, and that by faith alone, I don't care who it is, because when we get to heaven, remember sanctification. There's positional sanctification, right? There's practical sanctification going on in our lives now, and then when we get to heaven, there will be what we consider future or ultimate sanctification, right? There's going to be no sin in heaven. Praise God. We, we should rejoice if a mass murderer comes to the saving knowledge of Christ today, right? Don't be afraid of him or her in heaven because there's going to be no sin in heaven. There's going to be no protests in heaven. There's going to be none of this stuff that's going on today. It's going to be people who are there because of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and by faith in him because that's, that's what the gospel is. And faith is not the Savior. It's the means by which we trust what God has done for us, but it is, it is not. And salvation is by grace alone, faith in Christ. And then we realize of man's responsibility. Man then is responsible to respond to the gospel of God's grace. Why, why do we support world missions? Why, and I've said this and you know, but back in March, when we had to make that decision to postpone the missionary conference because that was at the beginning of COVID. But it was the right decision because we did it to protect you, we did it to protect our community. And today we're going to, or in a few weeks, we're going to have a virtual missionary conference. Why? Because we care about world missions. Why? Because it's man's responsibility. It's not just the gospel for America. It's not just the gospel for a certain segment. It's for all individuals. And so when we go, when you go away and you get to go to a foreign country, and said a few years ago, Nancy and I were able to go down to Curacao and meet believers there and then go on the island of Bonaire and have a part in their service and preach a message. Man, that, that, that was because they're part of the body of Christ. So we send out missionaries because of the importance of it. So, but man is responsible to believe the gospel. And we realize that if we reject the gospel... If we reject the gospel, we're lost, and any individual dying as a lost person is going to a Christless eternity, will spend eternity in heaven. 
We, we love the song in the hymn, Amazing Grace, right? In the last stanza, well, we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And I've said it, eternity is not 10,000 years long, is it? And you can look at it the other way, that after 10,000 years, we're still praising God. But I want to emphasize that eternity is not 10,000 years. It's not a million years. It's not 20 million years. It is throughout all eternity. A few years ago, there was an emphasis. It's probably been greater than four, maybe five, six, seven years ago. There was an emphasis in the government to save money. And so they went through the list and they realized that they had, you know, too many um, landlines and we could save money this way, we could save money this way. And they were able to cut it down to saving like $10 million a month. And that's pretty pretty impressive, right? That's That's a lot of money. An economist said these words. That's nothing. What, what that would equate in, in the overall grand scheme of the, Ameri- the United States budget is if an average person gave up buying a cup of coffee a day. It doesn't compute. I'll use this illustration. If that doesn't, if, if $120 million against our massive budget in the United States doesn't compute, if we are blessed and live 100 years, 90 years here on earth, what does that compute against all eternity? It doesn't even register. And that's what we're talking about, with eternity's values in view, to realize the, the knowledge of the gospel. And if you go back with me to Philippians chapter number 2, and we're going to tie this together, but just think, and again, I just remind you and remind you next week, this context here is not salvation. It is not. And if you look at it in verse number 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven, right? Things on earth and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess. Where? In heaven, on earth, and under the earth, that he is Lord to the glory of God to the Father. Even though those words are not there, they, I believe they would carry down through, right? But the context is not salvation. So sometime we'll talk about this. They're going to confess. But it's not a confession for salvation. Because these people, under the earth, and and what's under the earth? Hell. Because when you look at directional, heaven is north and hell is to the south. They're going to spend all eternity separated. And if there's something separated from God, and if there's something that COVID should have taught, when we look and, and see the death toll, in the United States, it's sadly going to approach 200,000 people. In the world, it's going to hit a million people. It should be the frailty of my human life. If I would want people to know anything, I would want them to think upon life is frail. Life is fragile. We don't, we don't, we don't have physical promises here on earth. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Those who are listening on the radio, watching through TV or Facebook. Do you know the Lord is your personal savior? I'd leave you with a question. Where will your death take you? I know where my death will take me. I shared this at the rescue mission a couple weeks ago. And I, there was a young man that was just there and have a, 
Tuesday morning Bible study. And I looked at him and shared the Lord. And he said, well, I don't know where I'm going. I said, you know what? I want you to know something. When I leave here, if I don't make it back next Tuesday, my family would, and my church family would be upset. They'd be hurt. There'd be tears. But they know where I'm at. I left there, dropped off the disc for at the city hall, and I was going up 13th Avenue, and right by the cathedral, there's a light, and I, I, I still believe I had the green light. I went through the intersection, and I looked, something told me to look left, and I saw a pickup truck. And I'd like to have had a picture from a drone how close it looked like it was four feet away from me. And if I would have stopped, he would have hit me. I kind of veered to the right. I looked back, and then I thought, well, maybe, maybe it was me. And I looked back, and I could see him reverse and get out of that intersection. And what I told that young man almost actually happened because our life is frail, right? We, we, we have no promises. The only way of salvation is by faith alone in the Lord. If you've never trusted him, trust him before it's eternally too late because these individuals who are going to kneel and who are going to confess, it is not for salvation. It is for the glory of God. Let's just look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, for all that he means to us. Continue to lead, guide, and direct, we pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Hymn 236, Near to the Heart of God. Let's stand as we close our service. Hymn 236, and we'll stand and we close this out. <laughs> 